right, welcome back to the big program. 10.02 in Edmonton. Looking at uh, not bad temperatures today. That's uh, going to get us to our next guest in a couple of minutes, but it's kind of exciting to hear what he's got to say. Uh this wasn't uh, exciting what Matt Poitras had to say from the World Juniors. Uh, it's the worst feeling in the world. I feel like we left so much on the table. We had a great team. It's really frustrating. I don't know. It's just the worst feeling in the world. Um, Canada loses to Czech 3-2. And, you know, we got to remember that these these are just 18 and 19-year-old kids. And they tried so hard. And they want to do so well for their country. They want to do so well for their teammates, and it's such an honor to be on this team. When things don't work out, it's devastating for these guys. And, you know, you, you even if you go on social media, you see these guys getting ripped and things like that. Well, stop it. Stop, stop you know, ripping on a guy like Minton and things like that. Just It just – these kids get built up so much over the course of these two weeks and leading up to everything. It's so hard on them to, because they want to do so well. And it's just a, a difficult, difficult time. 3 2, uh, Canada loses to Czech. Also, Finland, a fourth through winner over Slovakia in overtime this morning. And the United States leading uh, Latvia 3 1 still come Switzerland and uh, Sweden. Um, just made a quick call. I got a text on the weekend. How's this sound? I got a text on the weekend and said, uh, Oh, Happy New Year, Kevin. How are you doing? Da 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 da. And uh, just want to let you know that our golf course is still open. Our golf course is still open. That comes from uh, came from Mark from Terra Pines, and we just thought we'd call, call Mark today. Uh, morning, Mark. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you uh, as well, Kevin. So you guys are still rocking and rolling at Terra Pines, and you're open for one more day today? Rocking and rolling. So yeah, you're... We, uh... We, we've got about a dozen te- uh, people teeing off today. We had 22 people yesterday, and uh, uh, we were open the um, uh, count of November. We had 22 days in November. We were open. We were open 15 days in December, and uh, yesterday was a record-breaking day because uh, it was New Year's Eve in 1997 that we we closed and uh, we we beat it by one day and today will be two so after today you can see the weather turning a little bit is this going to be the last day you figure well it's it's combination of one or the other it's either snow staying on the ground or mm-hmm. or the temperature dropping uh to a great degree and and the temperatures have dropped and we've had some snow but the the snow's fairly uh, uh it melted off the course <laughs> And uh, we reopen, and uh, uh, right now it's it's borderline. It, it, it's based on the tea times. It's up, yeah. If the customers demand us to stay open, we'll we'll continue <laughs> forward. <laughs> and uh, we watch, and, and it's been quite uh, a, a very uh, skeptical mm-hmm. ideal because we we can only look every three days in in advance as to what the forecast is going to offer us. Well, we've we've got Mark from uh, Terrapines Golf Course on the line here, and uh, still open. The latest they've ever been open. And uh, so, how, how would you describe early January conditions at Terrapines? 
actually, uh, all the greens are clear except for number 10, which gets uh, a fair amount of shade. So it, <laughs> uh, I'm calling it our glacier hole. <laughs> so it's got uh, snow and ice on it still. But uh, other than that, it, yeah. all the greens are, are quite uh, are grass and, and playable. Um, what do people say when they come out there? They must go, wow, this is just great. We're golfing in Edmonton in January. Oh, they're just amazed, and and they're just uh, they're out there taking pictures and and putting the date on their scorecard and taking pictures uh, because I get a number of people that just call in and said uh, people are telling me they're booking tea times and I don't believe them, so they mm-hmm. want to make sure that we're open. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on uh, today, Mark, and uh, hopefully maybe the weather turns again. You guys can stay open and uh, people can uh, get a little golf fix uh, in a chilly, chilly weather conditions. Thanks. Thanks, big guy. Thanks very much, Kevin, and Happy New Year yeah. again. Happy okay. New Year to do, to you as well. That's uh, Mark from Terra Pines. Uh, amazing. Golfing in Edmonton in January. It's going to be a little, like right now, uh, currently in Edmonton, it is minus 7, looking at a high of minus 5 today. So that's not that bad. Like we we golfed and it, uh, it was probably minus three or two. So, I mean, you're looking at it similar. You put your little, you know, your mitts on and you're riding around in the cart, probably have a little, you know, beverage or two. Uh, but it does turn a little colder. I don't see him being open like into, it's, I'm looking at the long f- extended forecast, minus 18 on Sunday with snow. <laughs> but you know, I think it's just comical that they're open. That's great. Um, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. LJ talking about uh, Canada check and Canada losing three two. He says it's hockey development and coaching, not one or two players' fault. Um, you can look at this many ways. There were three, four probably players that were left off Canada's team that. Uh, other countries, they have their roster that is their best players. This isn't. This was not Canada's best roster. When you have guys like Bedard and Fantilli and and Benson not playing, so they, those three, just those three alone, would have made a, a massive difference. You, know, you got Korchinski as well, and you know how would you like to have him on the blue line? But again, these kids they want to try so hard. They play play so hard and. They just want to be the very best that they can. And and to come together as a team, it's always a difficult thing to do in a short period of time. And Canada just to run out by 3-2 score, just run out of time here against a check this morning. Uh, NFL, we're down to the last season or last weekend of the season in the NFL. And it was kind of, you watched, I mean, Miami just got absolutely throttled by Baltimore, but the Dolphins still have a chance to win the AFC East. All they have to do, and that's the game of the week, Buffalo and Miami, you would have to say that. It's on Sunday night, that's why. So a victory over Buffalo would still give Miami the AFC East championship. And more importantly, they need home field advantage because on Super Wild Card Weekend. They need it because they just don't play. They're like Dallas. Dallas plays so much better at home than they do on the road. The Dolphins only lost one game at home all year, and that was uh, that crazy one to Tennessee. I believe it was 28-27. Miami had, uh, what, a 14-point lead with about three minutes left in the game. So uh, the win against Dallas 
two weeks ago, I guess. That was a massive, massive victory for Miami. But I don't like their chances against Buffalo this weekend. Duke, you had it in, are you in or are you out? Would Miami lose last three games of the year against Dallas, against Baltimore, and uh, Buffalo and not make the playoffs? Well, they won the one, so that, that got that them in. That clinched their playoffs. That clinched yes. it in. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Kevin. I think this is Buffalo's game uh, all day long. Uh, I think they're a team that is playing very well right now. This is kind of the version of the Bills that we sort of expected to see uh, for the majority of the season. And the Dolphins, I mean, the, I, I don't want it to be construed. I don't think they're a bad team. I, I think they're very well coached, and they obviously have some very talented players. The loss of Bradley Chubb oh, uh, on defense is, is huge for them. The, their defense... Uh, has been playing pretty decently. I mean, obviously, it got torched uh, by the Ravens, which uh, that was a, a torching that I somewhat predicted as I needed a wide receiver due to uh, Josh Jacobs being out, or I needed a flex spot filled. And I was like, man, the Ravens are going to put up a million today. Hopefully, OBJ can get it on the mix. He had one catch, so a bad prediction by me. But I was right <laughs> about the fact that they would kind of run rough shot over them. Um, I think this is the, the Bills game. Uh, there, there's a couple different situations. I mean, the Steelers, obviously, they win and they can get in. Uh, the Steelers lose. It's winning in for the Texans and Colts. Uh, over on the other side, one of Seattle, um, Minnesota, and possibly the NFC South still up for grabs. So it's um, th- there's a lot to up uh, up for grabs here in the final week of the season. I, of course, I know the Buffalo-Miami game has the highest profile. My You're focus will be Houston on the maybe, Texans yeah. and the Colts. Uh, C.J. Stroud back from injury this weekend looked certainly good. Didn't have the biggest fantasy week, which, once again, a contributing factor mm-hmm. to my loss. Uh, but like in terms of on the field, he looked uh, as poised and composed as ever. Obviously missing Tank Dell um, and then Noah Brown leaving the game with injury quite early as well, uh, played a role in them not being able to move the ball downfield quite as effectively. But I, I like their chances against the Colts, and then hopefully the Ravens can take care of business against the Steelers. We talked about it earlier in the year that the Philadelphia Eagles, I think at the time I said were the worst 10-3 and team in the league. I think they were 10-3 and at the time. I might be off by a little bit, but this was several weeks ago. Now they might be the worst 11-5 and team in the NFL. The Eagles, for some reason, somehow lose to Arizona and basically cost them a number two seed because now all that has to happen is Dallas uh, beats Washington next week, and you would think that the Cowboys should have their way with the Commanders, but who knows what will happen. But Philadelphia, for the Eagles to now get the NFC title, they have to win their game against the New York Giants and have the Commanders upset Dallas probably not going to happen and this would set up a first round matchup of you would and I mean everyone is assuming that Tampa Bay is going to beat Carolina and Tampa Bay would uh, win the uh, division and that would set up a date with uh, Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs back to your game Duke with uh, Indy so Houston and Indy Colts they're coming on a little bit too I could see I could see the Colts winning that game I also could see Houston. The defense for Houston was pretty good last week. Will Anderson Jr. You know? has had a great second half to his rookie season. I think he's certainly put himself in the... I I don't think he will. I think he's in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and but it's been great. I mean, hey, you you take guys uh, with back to back picks. You certainly hope for them to pan out, and it is just one season so far. But uh, this new version of the the Houston Texans uh, with D'Amico Ryan's at the helm and, and kind of some restructured management, uh, I think they're certainly headed in the right direction because both C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. look like uh, look like absolute uh, jackpots right now. So. I think Green Bay gets in. I think Green Bay will uh, beat Chicago, and that's all that has to happen in the NFC for Green Bay because of the way that uh, Green Bay played uh, on Sunday night. They were, you know, they blew out Minnesota. But uh, so Packers control their own destiny at this stage. One more win, they they claim a wild card uh, berth. However, uh, what will we see in the finale? But I mean. Chicago played well last week, too. So Green Bay, a win, and you are in. Uh, Speaking of wins, the Oilers are on a five-game winning streak after three straight wins on the road. We will preview the Oilers and the Philadelphia Flyers on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. We're slipping into the future now with our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge, Ram, and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models. Uh, 0% also available on Ram 1500s. That's only at stalbertdodge.com. As we uh, welcome in Jordan Hall from NBCS Philadelphia. Uh, Jordan, uh, welcome back to Sports 1440. Good morning and uh, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, let's uh, have a little gander at tonight's uh, Flyers-Oilers matchup. Philly comes in, uh, you know, the Flyers have been playing a lot of close games, and they did that again on this uh, trip that they're on, but 1-2-2 two, and two in their last five, so they are getting some points, uh, you know, in overtime. But how would you assess how the, the Flyers have been playing in the last handful of games or so? This is definitely a little bit of a mini gut check for them, especially with the matchup against the Oilers and Connor McDavid, a guy that can make any team look tired or slow. They've had a lot of travel, and I know Edmonton has as well, but they've been fighting some, some illness in their locker room, a ton of travel. They were in Detroit before Christmas. Then players went home from Detroit, and then they reconvened in Vancouver, then hit Seattle, then Calgary. So the last two games – they definitely have looked tired, and I would say in their last four periods of play, uh, they look tired and they're battling some illness. So I think Edmonton's getting them at a good time where they're, they're going to have to really dig in deep and, and play this final road game of their trip uh, against the best player in the world and a team that's playing well. Uh, but overall, though, the Flyers have definitely exceeded expectations. Uh, they definitely have fans uh, not thinking about a rebuild as much uh, and actually thinking playoffs. Uh, so they're a team that's bought in, that plays hard under John Tortorella, and they've been competitive every night. Uh, they've gone past regulation 11 times. They're 7-5-5 and in, in games decided by a goal. So a lot of tight, competitive games and a team that's going to uh, not get blown out a whole lot. Let's start in goal with this uh, team, Jordan, and uh, the duo of Carter Hart and uh... – the other net miner who's just escaping me for a second, Sammy Harrison, has just been phenomenal. Both of them almost have identical numbers, but uh, Hart has played a little bit more. But, I mean, boy, this has been a tandem that has been top-notch in the league. It has, and it's, it's been some of the Flyers' best ingredients uh, already met. They have Hart, who is 25, and Sam Harrison, who's 24, 
and both have given them a chance every single night. Uh, don't get me wrong, both have definitely benefited from year two in, in John Tortorella's system. That The Flyers are definitely not allowing a ton of shots. They play the right way. Uh, they've come a long way under and under John Tortorella in just how they want to play, uh, and they're trying to add some more offense this year. Uh, so they've relied on their goalies at times to maybe face an odd man rush because they're taking more risks offensively. But both goalies have really given them a chance to play the way they want to play. Uh, they've been excellent. They've given them a chance every single night. I would expect Hart to go tonight. We don't know for sure, but. As we all know, he's a local boy. He likes playing in Edmonton, uh, and he's played really well. So uh, I think he's going to give them a chance to win uh, more often than not. Yeah, I would expect uh, Carter Hart to get the starting assignment uh, tonight as well. Jordan Hall from NBCS Philadelphia is our guest on the uh, Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Do you think that now, I mean, the Oilers went into Philadelphia very early in the season, lost uh, 4-1, I believe, to the Flyers. Do you think now that Philly's not sneaking up on teams, everyone's going, hey, we better bring bring our best uh, A game tonight because the Flyers are a solid team. Are you seeing that as the season's progressing here, Jordan? I do. I absolutely do. And Danny Barrera, their general manager, has said it, that he's heard from a lot of people around the league, a lot of teams around the league that, hey, wow, Philadelphia plays hard. Like, we know what to expect now from Philly. Uh, you know, it might not be the most talented team, but they're going to be well-coached and they're going to play hard. So I do get a sense recently that teams are not overlooking the Flyers anymore. Like, they know uh, what to expect. Uh, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a team that's not going to back down. It's not going to quit. Uh, I know some of those are cliches, but – uh, that's definitely what the Flyers are looking for in their identity, in their MO, is that they're going to play competitive games. Uh, if they go down early, they're going to battle back. Um, and they're going to be in your face a little bit. They have a lot of guys that are willing to be physical, that want to defend, uh, want to play a physical brand of hockey. John Tortorella has said it since day one. They, they want their team to identify with the city of Philadelphia, and that's without a doubt a physical brand that's uh, not going to back down. Um, so, They've got a ton of buy-in. Uh, the locker room is very tightly knit. Cam Atkinson, who's been in the league, I think, 13 to 14 years, recently said it's one of the best locker rooms he's ever seen. Um, so that was pretty high praise, and I think it says a lot about the locker room coming together. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it doesn't matter the team they're playing. I think they're going to be competitive and, and give that team, a, a, you know, really a good game. You know, the one thing that uh, the Flyers have going against them, Jordan, is that they're in the toughest division by far. I mean, the Metropolitan is just a savage uh, division. Uh, when you take the Rangers uh, out of the equation, Carolina has 44 points in second spot. And then all the way down to seventh where Pittsburgh lies and New Jersey, 40 points. So four teams are or four points separated, six teams. Uh, can the Can the Flyers hold off... You know, these teams like Pittsburgh and Jersey and the Caps that will be gunning for them here? It's so funny. It's a great question because that's kind of the the vibe around Philadelphia is, wow, you know, the Flyers are in third place and, you know, they're in a playoff spot. But then you look at the division and everyone's like, well, you know, let's wait and see then. Um, I even asked some players, I asked Travis Sanheim, their top pair defenseman, if if they're looking at the standings. And he said, yeah, I check on it, but it just seems like every time I check, you know, the seven, six-place team is winning. And it's like you, they have very little room for error or very little room to breathe. So I think they're going to make it very interesting. I, I think they're going to make it very interesting up until the trade deadline in March 
Um, I do think this team is way better than people thought. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of 2019-20, which is the last year the Flyers made the playoffs. They were on an eerily similar pace to what this team is, and they ended up being one of the better teams in hockey until uh, COVID shut down the regular season. So uh, I, I do like what the Flyers have. They have a good blend of youth up front, um, a, a defensive group that has exceeded expectations, and they have two young netminers. Uh, so I think they're going to make it very interesting. I don't know if they'll be able to hold on to a Metropolitan uh, playoff spot, but perhaps they're going to you know, uh, fight for a wild card spot and, and make Danny Breer make some tough decisions at the trade deadline. Jordan Hall from NBCS Philadelphia is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, one player I wanted to touch on in particular was Morgan Frost this morning. So had a 19-goal campaign last year, maybe fell out of favor with John Tortorella a little bit this year. How do you see that relationship between the two moving forward, and what do you see in the play of Morgan Frost of late? Yeah, Frost definitely went through it earlier this year with John Tortorella, and it wasn't a byproduct. Um, it, it, it wasn't uh, something contentious at all between Frost and Tortorella. I just, I definitely think there's a, a difference in, um, in in preferred playing styles. I think Frost plays a certain way, and Tortorella prefers a different type of game. Right now, Noah Cates, one of their depth centers, is her, and that's the, the main reason Frost has stayed in the lineup. I think if Cates was healthy. Uh, there, there could have been some more games where Frost was a healthy scratch, but he stayed in the lineup because the Flyers have been a little banged up at forward. But I think he's come a long way. I think he's starting to provide some offense for them the way he was last season. I think he's giving John Tortorella more of what Tortorella wants to see, and that's win puck battles. You know, be hard on the forecheck, not just be kind of here and there offensively. Be consistently noticeable, shift in, shift out. I think Frost has been a real pro. He handled everything mm-hmm. earlier in the year like a pro. Uh, he said all the right things. He was a good teammate. So I think he's a young man with a really good head on his shoulders, and I still think there's a ton of upside. I think there's a ton of upside there. We saw it last season. And if the Flyers don't realize the upside, I think another team will. Um, but I think they're still, they're still working on things. I don't think they're giving up on Frost by any means. Uh, but I still think there's a long way to go, though, between Frost and Tortorella and getting to where they exactly want to be. <laughs> yeah, that that can be a touchy subject sometimes, for sure. Uh, yeah. Jordan Hall, NBCS Philadelphia, is our guest on Sports 1440. Another player I just kind of wanted to point out uh, and get your thoughts on was uh, Igor Zamula, who... Uh, came over here and played with the Calgary Hitmen uh, after the Regina Pats and played in the Western League for uh, three, four seasons. So what have you made of his play so far? Because he has to be considered, uh, you know, undrafted, uh, a bit of a surprise uh, so far in his NHL career, which is, you know, just getting underway. Absolutely. He was a surprise to many people. He was an invite uh, to their rookie training camp, and everyone saw the name, and they were like, that's an interesting name, but we don't know who that kid is. But he's really opened eyes. Once he got his entry-level contract, everyone saw the upside. Everyone saw his, you know, his skinny but long frame, and he was very smooth skater, good with the puck on his stick. He he was uh, recently in a little bit of a rotation with Mark Stahl for their sixth and final defensive spot. But Zamola's played so well as of late that he's staying in the lineup. Uh, John Tortorella really loves his first pass, the way he sees the ice. At times, he looked indecisive with the puck, and that's one thing the Flyers are trying to get out of his game is make snap decisions. Don't don't think too long and keep the puck on your stick. Uh, that kind of gets you into trouble. So 
when he's playing instinctually and and he's making that first read, uh, he's very good. You can see the potential there, and they believe he can be a part of this moving forward. Uh, they've, they've liked his game so much recently that they've actually got him working on the power play over the last two to three games, and he's producing goals and points uh, for them, too. And they, they need a ton of help in the power play. It's the, la- it, it's the last-ranked power play in the league. So they're looking for some answers there, and they're giving Zamula a look. So I think he's gotten better of late, but it's still very much a work in uh, progress with them. Um, but they, li- they like his potential, without a doubt. Is he partnered up with Nick Sealer most of the time, or does he move around, as you said, just to kind of, uh, you know, with uh, with Stahl as well? Does he kind of move around, or what's his situation there? He's been on the third pair. He hasn't been with Sealer. He's been with Rasmus Ristolainen. So it's uh, a good lefty-right combo. Ristolainen's more of a physical, stay-at-home guy, uh, and they've been able to trust those two a little bit more and more. Uh, as the games have gone on. But they've had Sealer on their second pair with Sean Walker, and that's actually been their second pair pretty much all season. Those two guys have totally exceeded expectations. They they didn't ex- expect those two to be playing the way they have. Sealer's been a plus 14. Sean Walker's on pace for career highs offensively. Uh, so Samoa's been on that third pair, and right now I think they've liked what they've gotten out of Ristolainen and him. Was Cam York running the power play at the start of the year totally, and now is that kind of eased off a little bit too? He was running the power play at the start of the year, and then they gave Sean Walker some rain. They they really liked what they got out of Walker. He's also on an expiring contract and a guy that I think is going to get a lot of attention at the trade deadline. So I think the Flyers are trying to showcase Walker a little bit, have him play in offensive opportunities, uh, let him show opposing teams what he can do. I think – Walker's given them a chance to win, and they're also giving it, him a chance to showcase himself if they if they want to think about possibly moving an expiring contract at the trade deadline. But York was on the power play, and now he's back on it. Uh, mm-hmm. He saw about a stretch of 10 games off the power play. I think they felt they put a little too much on his plate. He's still very young. It's his first full season in the NHL, and he looked a little overwhelmed. So they, they lowered his minutes a little bit, and now they got it back up. And, and he's looked real comfortable, and I think he's their future power play quarterback, a guy that can really move the puck and kind of dance around the blue line a little bit. Uh, so I think he is their future there, and they're starting to realize it a little bit more now. Jordan Hall, NBCS Philadelphia, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, coming up to 10.33 in Edmonton. Just a couple more for you, uh, Jordan. Uh, how much, and I think we asked you this question earlier this year when you were on, or last year, I guess now, but uh, to have Sean Couturier back and, and just uh, his leadership and everything else that he brings to the team, uh, what has that meant to this Philadelphia squad? It's really meant everything. I mean, he is a guy that, is such a calming presence, and I've had veteran players, players that have been around for many years, uh, come up to me and tell me that when Katoria is on the ice, they just feel like he's he, you know, everyone's more confident when he's on the ice, and that his presence is calming. And he's a guy that Flyers rely on when they're up a goal late in the game, when they're down a goal late in the game. He's their best face-off guy. Uh, he plays in all situations, and for him to miss. 22 months because of two back surgeries and to be able to come in and play the way he has has been pretty remarkable. I, I, no one really knew exactly what to expect and that there will be, you know, a bit of a phase where he would be, you know, some growing pains where he'd be getting back up to speed. And there hasn't been any of that. Hmm. Um, he just looks like the Sean Couture of old, which is really impressive. He's a former selfie trophy winner and 
his return this year has gone a long, long way for the Flyers. Uh, they are more competitive, and they're not looking like a rebuilding team as much uh, in large part because of Couturier's presence. Uh, Jordan, what do you make of tonight's game? Uh, Oilers and Flyers. Uh, Oilers coming off uh, five game, uh, well, five games in a row. They won on the road. Is their record now eighteen fifteen and one after such a slow, slow start. They're whittling their way back into the NHL Western Conference playoff picture. So, what do you see tonight happening? I think this game has some alarms for the Flyers, uh, just because of the way they've been trending over the last couple of games. Two games ago in the third period, they were up one nothing on Seattle, and they just they looked like they ran out of gas. And it's not questioning their effort or anything. I just think they've they've had so much travel. They've had uh, a, an illness bug kind of go through their locker room. Guys are kind of playing through it, having to miss a game from time to time because of it. So they, their last four periods of play, I would say, they look a bit tired. And I think you're facing an Edmonton team that is red hot and has the best player in the world. Um, and I know the Flyers have had some some bad luck and some tough games uh, in Edmonton in recent years past. So I think the Flyers are really going to have to dig deep in this game if they want to be competitive in this game. I wouldn't put it past them to make this game kind of a dogfight competitive game, but I think they're going to have to be very aware of the first 10 minutes and how difficult the game could be for them in the first 10 because uh, they're going to have to control play a little bit. Um, so I, I think, definitely think the game comes with some alarms, but I would expect the Flyers to be competitive uh, and, and give Edmonton everything they have. And I think Carter Hart's going to have to make a number of saves, and I, I wouldn't surprise me if he does. Were they expect a competitive game? Yeah, were, were they upset with this schedule? I mean, the schedule is what the schedule is, but for the Flyers to have to go all the way across country on because there's no travel allowed on Boxing Day, so they got to you know on the 27th fly all the way to uh, Vancouver. Uh, and then play the Canucks a day later, and then, you know, they continue the swing out here. What, was there any rumblings, grumblings about the sked? I don't think they're thrilled with it. And even John Torrell, as much as he is a no-excuse guy, he's even admitted that they have traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. They've played a lot of hockey. They've had no time to practice, very little time to rest. I mean, even going to Detroit before Christmas, I talked to players, and a lot of them – were flying home from Detroit. They weren't even going back to the Philadelphia area. They were just like, I'm going to fly home to where they live, and then they were all going to meet back in Vancouver. So I just think the players have traveled a lot. They've battled sickness. Uh, and it's, and it's you know, for a team that really prides itself on effort and playing full 60 minutes, like they have to rely on that style because they're not the most talented team. So for a team to rely on that style and then not feel like they're 100%, I think that's really given them some tough games recently. Um, Two games where I didn't really think they played the way they wanted to play. So I think it's going to make for a tough game in Edmonton. I don't think the Flyers are thrilled with it, but they're also a team that kind of likes when the Raps are up against the wall. They, They seem to thrive when people are counting them out. So maybe they'll feed off of that. Hey, Jordan, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight and uh, happy new year to you again. Thank you so much for having me. Happy New Year, guys, and hope to do this again soon. All right, that's Jordan Hall, NBCS Philadelphia, and our Game of the Day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people at stalbertdodge.com. Duke, do you have a Google rating? Like if St. Albert Dodge is 4.6, I guess that's that's obviously quite high, and you see it when when you compare it. It's a high rating, St. Albert Dodge. Very, what, very what, high. What would your rating be? 
pretty low. Um, well, I guess what are, what am I being reviewed on? Like just me, as, me as a person, me as a producer, <laughs> me as a uh, sausage fingered uh, button masher over here. Because I guess it might depend on what you're reviewing me on, on what my rating right be, might be. Know. As a uh, as a stalwart defenseman for the uh, tropics Tropicana, in the CCRHL, yeah, yeah th- three points Saturday night, Kevin, in a eight four loss. All apples? You, no one one tuck. What? Point shot or what? Did, did it go in like no, off a of bonk in P- the World Juniors P- here? PPG. Um, I'm obviously leading the, the rush. I'm the puck mover. Okay. Uh, entry, zone entry, drop off to the uh, guy kind of posted up at the point. Yeah. And I just dropped it off and just drove the net. Point shot, <laughs> rebound right there. I literally did. I don't even know if I did it on purpose. I was like spinning around to track the rebound. I just swatted it right between the goalie's legs. Text, you, textbook. And you guys lost 8-4. Yeah, it was ugly. It That's, was not good. What was the uh, plus minus? Well, they scored a couple power play goals for sure. Um, with and my well, two two of my points were on the power play, so that wouldn't help. Uh, I oh, I was a f- dash a few for sure, <laughs> for sure. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. What kind of Google rating would you give the Duke? Four point six or better. That's what's the that's the mark set by St. Albert Dodge right now. There there is not a single thing that I could be reviewed on that I would get a better rating than St. Albert Dodge. But there's a few things that I could be in the fours. Yeah. Um I wouldn't I would be all fours if you know. On everything, Duke. You would be cow milking. Oh, what would you would rate? Over. What you would rate me? Yeah, like I'm yeah. sure there's. Yeah, no, you'd be. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty handy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a good operator. <laughs> You're like that. What was that guy? Uh, can't find him. Find me handy. Red, oh, you red, red green. Red yeah, green, if they yeah. don't find you handsome, they'll at least find you handy. Yeah. That is there you go. that is a pretty good description of my life. Because yeah, if yet uh, very few women I've come across thus far in life that have uh, described me as handsome. That's for sure. And I think <laughs> oh, I think on. they I think they were hard to sight too. So. <laughs> Don't 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 sell yourself <laughs> short, Duke. You're a tremendous slouch. That's from uh, that's from Caddyshack, right? Yeah. yeah. You're a tremendous slouch, Judge. Uh, Randy texts in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Every time Canada gets beat at one of these World Juniors, we have so many excuses. How about just give the other team credit? Just because you put on a Canadian jersey doesn't gift you the championship. From Randy, yeah, that's the truth, and that's the way it is. In a short tournament, a one-game elimination uh, format, if you played uh, Czech, probably a best of three, Canada would probably win. But in a one-game showdown, that's what happens. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up with a, a 4.6 Google rating with the Duke coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, the home stretch on Sports 1440. We've got Emma in the studio. She's going to be taking over for the Duke as he goes on one of his cruises here, apparently. I don't know where this cruise is going, but uh, Emma's if, kind if of... If all my Google ratings come in too low, no, I'm officially Duke, on the you outs. you will be just fine. That's that's our station's uh, performance standards evaluations. They're not peer evaluated. They're not um, uh, upper management evaluated. They're public evaluated. Well, not many texts coming in to give you rating approval here yet, Duke. What we'll see. But what. that's also good. No many, not many coming in saying that I stink either. So you know, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, tough loss for Canada at the World Juniors, three-two to Czech. Uh, goal with 11 seconds left, and a lot of comments uh, coming in on our text line, and uh, some interviews happening obviously in Sweden uh, from Mark Masters who's covering the tournament for TSN. Head coach Alan Latang says, those last two periods were some of the best periods we played in the tournament. A kind of a disappointing thing. I don't think we got to our game quickly enough, often enough. Uh, 
and then Latang said that we talked about it all tournament. We weren't willing or we couldn't find enough second or third opportunities around the net. Teams with big D-men, teams that were heavy, boxed us out a little bit. We had to be a tad more determined to get inside and a tad more desperate. Well, that's uh, what the coach says in uh, Canada. Ousted, 4-3, uh, pardon me, 3-2, uh, 11 seconds left, the goal was scored. 4-3 was the game score in the Finland-Slovakia uh, tilt earlier in the uh, day in overtime, and the USA rather handily, I think, beating uh, Latvia right now, and Switzerland and Sweden still to come in the final quarter final game. Uh, one interesting note that I saw, Duke, regarding the college football and the two games yesterday, a neat comment from, well, technically Tom Brady, who did you know 25 years ago or 24, Tom Brady 24 years ago led Michigan to a win over Alabama. It's true. Yes, 24 years ago, Tom Brady. But anyway, yesterday or whenever it was after the game, uh, J.J. McCarthy is the greatest quarterback in University of Michigan college football history. That quote coming from Wolverines head coach Jim Harbaugh, to which Tom Brady replies and says, go blue, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michigan doesn't exactly have the most uh, prolific history of quarterbacks uh, at the position. They've had some good ones, yep. though. Uh, Tom Brady uh, at the pro level headlines uh, the success for sure. I- I'm not as sold on J.J. McCarthy as I think a lot of people are. We've had some text messages over the last couple weeks as we've uh, been getting ready for the college football playoffs and the Big Ten championships. A lot of people think he will be um, a much higher profile draft option uh, than some of the other quarterbacks, mm-hmm. say the likes of Jaden Daniels, um, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, uh, so another another old guy. You think Penix is a higher at, draft? At, at this point, I think Michael right. Penix is the third best quarterback in this draft uh, after what I've seen. And yes, I understand he's a little bit on the older side. Jaden Daniels, of course, winning the Heisman Trophy, what he did with uh, his legs as well as throwing the ball was absolutely spectacular. Um, but it's, I just didn't see him play as many meaningful games. And, mm-hmm. and uh, forgive me, I did not watch LSU's bowl game against Wisconsin yesterday at all. He didn't play, I don't believe. Uh, Gene Daniels did not. But, like, I've watched so little of Drake May this year because UNC has not been a program really worth watching mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Like, they, they were fine, but they're not a high-profile uh, school at this point. Caleb Williams, we saw what he did last year. I think he still is the de facto number one. But, like, I, I'm honest, and I'm not an NFL scout in terms of evaluating the upside of a quarterback at the college level compared to the pro level but from what i saw from michael Penix jr i don't like to me it's clear cut that he is the number three quarterback uh available possibly in this upcoming draft depending on a couple guys uh declaring options um like quinn ewer is probably going to go back to texas i don't know what his pro upside really is but yeah i i was just so blown away by Penix yesterday hmm. um and as well as the the couple games against oregon yards. uh i've just loved what i've seen from him all right, Oilers in action tonight, uh, returning after their quick little one day off after uh, beating Anaheim rather handily on New Year's Eve. Oilers on the ice right now for the morning skate at Rogers Place as they get set to take on Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Uh, Flyers come in with a record of 19-12-5, Oilers 18-15-1, and, and cruising, slowly cruising up the standings in the Western Conference. As you would be uh, thought to you know, say, be a 
expected the same lineup and pairings uh, tonight as you saw against Anaheim. Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the line with uh, Connor McDavid, Zach Hyman. This is from the morning skate. Uh, they're just on the ice right now. McLeod, Dreisaitl, Fogel, Kane, Ryan, and Janmark, and then Ernie Hamlin and Brown. Also of note, uh, Dylan Holloway and Sam Gagne skating with the team not yet ready to be inserted into the lineup. And again, when a team is kind of going the way it is right now, you kind of want to stay the way it is. Having said that, I mean, uh, when Dylan Holloway is ready, you have to find a place for him to kind of get back into the swing of things. This is a guy that has the talent and has the wherewithal to be a contributing factor for this team uh, down the stretch. But again, because of how the lines have evolved here with Ryan McLeod moving up to the second spot left winger on the line with Dreisaitl and Fogel. And again, the line has played so well, it's hard to do that tinkering. So maybe, you know, because that's how, how it looked, you could maybe move someone else up there. A guy like Holloway, and we did discuss that. Uh, before Ryan McLeod took off. So uh, Oilers and uh, Philadelphia tonight, the second meeting of the season between the two teams. Uh, They played in Philadelphia back in October, and that was a 4-1 victory for the Flyers. And when we were talking to Jordan Hall about that game, you know, it was a fact that a lot of teams were sneaking up on Philadelphia. That's not the case anymore. The Flyers are in a playoff spot right now. They've showed that they can compete with some of the top teams in the Metropolitan Division, which is just a savage division. So uh, Warren Fogle, what a game in Anaheim. Had uh, two goals, three assists. Uh, That's the uh, first five-point night in his career. He became the uh, first Oilers uh, player with uh, five even-strength points in a game. And you know who the last guy was, Duke? The last guy to score five even-point, even-strength points. All even strength all, points? Yeah, all the last player to score five even strength points in a game before Warren Fogle was? Sam Gagne. There you go. The new comes through, and it's... Uh, Huge. Uh, 11 years ago. Well, almost 12 years ago. That was in February of uh, 2012. En route to his 8.9. <laughs> I remember that game, man. And, you know, it was, I think they were all saying, because he was the first, second, and third star of that game. I yeah, don't, I don't know if you remember that coming out. I nice. do. I had that first, the second. You know, I, there's an old joke about uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens when they pick the stars in Montreal. They're all Montreal guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they were. It's an old joke about uh, Montreal playing Detroit back in the day, and they go, "Why did you pick uh, you know Rocket Richard for the first star? Well, he just played a solid game. Da da da. Why'd you pick Doug Harvey for the second star? Well, you know, Doug was really good on the back end. And da 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 da. What about uh, the pocket rocket, Henri Richard for the third star? Well, you know, he was on the forecheck. Blah blah blah. And uh, notable mention, uh, Gordy Howe. Without his three goals, the Red Wings would have never won three nothing over the Canadians tonight. <laughs> you know. So that's that's how the stars were. Yeah, what do you what do you make of like picking the stars on a on a game to game basis? Because and you can correct mm-hmm. me on this. Sometimes the broadcast stars are not the same as the ones that are actually announced in mm-hmm. the building, right? Sometimes they are. Sometimes. Sometimes they are. Um, there, okay, so like technically on the Sportsnet broadcast, Louis DeBrusque would pick the stars. Okay. okay. So Louis gets the, on those, that's how that works. Louis would pick the stars for the Rogers broadcast. Ian House, 
I I would assume they kind of have a collaboration between the two. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it works, but a lot of times, as you say, it's different. Because I, like it, it, the the Oilers on the road on the weekend, mm-hmm. let's just say in a different world where the Ducks were an actually good team, that uh, Troy Terry scored um, two goals in a six four loss. Right. Fogel still with his five points, whatever. So like in house, it like Troy Terry's probably still named the first star. It's an Anaheim home game. But on the broadcast, he's probably a second or third star. A lot of times when you see what kind of bothers me sometimes when you see the home team or the Oilers, let's use the Oilers. If a team isn't performing that well, I don't like it when they go total up like they they should go opposition three stars. Yeah. If the Oilers stink. Whereas like if it's a home game, they'll almost always at least put one Oiler in the mix. Try to find, you know, because... The broadcast team doesn't want to upset the Oilers the brass, yeah. and because because that's one of the first things you do. The Oilers, you go, why wasn't you know the Oilers are mad because you didn't promote our product. Which well once enough. again, at a certain point, how much does that really matter? Because like, I get it to a certain extent, but if you get waxed like five rip, who was good? Yeah. Who deserves to be a you third star? St- you still have to be true to your broadcast and be true to it's, your eyes. It's yeah, you know, so. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just funny when you mentioned that it came up because I have seen it before mm-hmm. where it was they were differing and it and obviously depending on what broadcast you were watching is it the the home team's broadcast then it's probably going to align with the ones actually announced on the ice or if you're watching the away team's broadcast I think the chances of it differing from what's actually announced on the ice is do you, higher. Do you remember the three stars for from Anaheim game from Sunday night? No, I had it turned off. Okay, well so it was Fogel obviously the first star, of course. But I don't recall because I, I again I probably left at that time too. But I mean Darnell Nurse had a great game. Yeah. So and three and three stars, especially on broadcast. I think maybe even more than you know in house. We keep uh, debating between these two. The the actual statistic, the stat line will play a much bigger factor as opposed to say who had a, you know, who might win the, mm. the hard hat in the dressing room or something like that, as opposed to whatever their other uh, so, award is. thanks for Sizzler. Sizzler texts in and goes, Fogel, McLeod, Dreisaitl, which was, that's okay. Very fitting. I mean, the line was outstanding. However, Darnell Nurse, like, I mean, he made a couple wicked passes, slap pass, uh, another pass, long pass uh, to Dreisaitl. I mean, he played a great game and probably deserved to be a star mm-hmm. just because... The guy's got all the points. That's where you go with. Uh, hey, thanks to all our guests on our first show of 2024. It still sounds weird to say it. Uh, Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Jeff Baker, good to talk to Jeff again about uh, the game yesterday in Seattle. Ian Harrison filled us in on what's going on with the Raptors moving forward. And Jordan Hall from NBCS Philadelphia preview tonight's Oilers Flyers game coming up at the top of the hour it is Fantasy Frenzy with the former Rochep T-Bird Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn uh, Brandon Douglas at 12 o'clock hey are the boys back in town is Low Tide back I think so Gregor back 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Declan. I saw Declan, Declan walk by like, the whoa. front windows here. Unbelievable. Uh, 12 o'clock, uh, uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell till 2. Jason Greger takes us home uh, 2 o'clock till 6 on the drive home. And we never had a chance to mention a fabulous job by Greger and everybody else with the month of giving, setting a record amount of money raised for various charities around town. So congratulations on that. We won't talk about fantasy football, but that we can just leave that for another day. Uh, thanks so much to you, our listeners. And thanks to getting the text line going again at about 9.30. We missed it for the first uh two and a half hours or so. We truly did. Uh, We will be back tomorrow, we think, with uh, David Schlemko. I'm assuming he's back in the chair. Do you know, have you... uh now, Schlemmer didn't text me this weekend <laughs> like he does every other weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back with David Schlemko tomorrow morning on uh, the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, and plus, we will uh, have a total wrap on the Oilers and Flyers tomorrow at 7. Thanks so much for listening. Coming up at the top of the hour is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.